You are you now are listening, listening to. What's up, War Report family? We are back with another weekly edition of the War Report podcast. As always, joining me is my guy, Auburn Memes. Go check him out on Twitter at Auburn Memes and our resident betting expert, Miss Brandy Mac. Brandy with three E's and a Mac at the end. Brandy Memes, how you guys doing? Doing great tonight. Doing great. A little tired, but doing good. Now, Brandy, you you attended the national title game. Uh, before we get started, do you want to tell us about that experience? You got to watch uh, North Carolina and Kansas duke it out. It was a great game. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to all three games this weekend. And Duke in North Carolina, man, that game, I feel like exceeded expectations. There was so much hype around it. It being Coach K's last game, UNC already beating Duke earlier this season. Both teams are coming into that game super hot and it fully lived up to the expectations. It honestly felt like an iron bulb on a basketball court. The fans from UNC and the fans from Duke on both sides, like we're in the stands fighting the same way you'd see Auburn and Alabama fans fighting at an iron bowl. And so that game fully lived up to its, its hype. And then the national championship game between Kansas and UNC actually, to me, kind of exceeded expectations. I thought it was going to be a letdown after going to the UNC Duke game, but it really ended up being a great game by the end of it. So it was a great time. Hey, I was jealous. I saw I was following you on Twitter and I was thinking, man, what a great game to choose to be at if Auburn wasn't playing. Uh, so yeah, I agree. I I really lucked out. I me and my friends got those tickets thinking Auburn would be there, or really hoping, and we just made an agreement we were going to go no matter what. And and we really just lucked out and saw some great basketball this weekend. Well, uh, listen, basketball season is officially over, but we have spring football on the docket. Saturday is Auburn's second A day under Brian Harson. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about what we hope to see from Auburn football this A-Day. Now, memes, we have a quarterback race going on. Incumbent TJ Finley is trying to fight off newcomer Zach Calzada and Robbie Ashford from Oregon. Uh, what are your thoughts on the quarterback race, and, and who do you expect to come out of this thing with the starting job? Well, from our last conversation we had a few weeks ago, and we kind of addressed the elephant in the room, which is what... What's D. Davis going to do? Obviously, since then, he's transferred out. So that takes a big wild card out of the equation. I think most people would have figured that would have been the most likely scenario given all of the variables that were to be at play there with the transfer rules. So I obviously wish him the best of luck in all his future endeavors. But as far as kind of thinning thinning the room out, that's probably good just for the reps and just the mental for the rest of the guys that are there. So, obviously, it looks like Holden's going to end up probably redshirting him. I think that's probably a pretty safe bet to say. So, then you've got TJ. We know the incumbent who has experience on his side, but probably he was had a bad situation last season. So, there's a little bit of, uh, I guess you could say, some a little bit of a looming cloud over him still from just some of the performances of the games that Auburn had uh, when he was under center, which, like I said, not a lot of that you can blame on him. Like I said, there were just a lot of bad situations there. And I don't think you hold that against anybody, but it's still something that's there. You have Calzada, the only other guy that's got some starting experience. And you've got Robbie Ashford, who's by far the biggest wild card to play in this whole deal. So with Calzada's throwing shoulder being off and the reps, TJ looking like he's got the most experience and seems to be having the most momentum. And then you've got Robbie there kind of taking those as well. I mean, it definitely it, it definitely bodes for quite an interesting battle. And we got A-Day coming up. And A-Day's in the past of... And even last year's have always kind of been a little underwhelming. So there's always a little bit more excitement going into A-Day with the quarterback uh, battle. But it's going to be interesting to see how those reps are divvied out this weekend. I mean, Yeah, I'll tell you, I hated last year's A-Day. I was screaming at my TV, what are we watching? Uh, we sent Grant Loy out there for a whole half of football, which was terrible. Um, but we've got, I think, a better situation this fall. Brandy... If you're a betting person, and you are a betting person, uh, what are the chances that Calzada or Ashford walk in off the street and take this job from incumbent TJ Finley? Like, How likely is that? Yeah, I would say it's 
probably more likely that Zach would take the job than Robbie would over TJ simply because of his experience at Texas A&M. Um, and then with TJ, while yes, I think he is a, a good solid quarterback. I think that we could really see a good battle between Zach and TJ. Um, I, I personally think that the odds, I think it's basically split even between the three of them though, if I'm being honest, like this, mm. This job, I think, in my opinion, could really be anybody's to lose or anybody's to win. Um, I think TJ obviously has the most experience. I would be curious to know more about kind of his leadership in the locker room. I think I think leadership in the locker room is going to play a big role here, too. Yeah, listen, uh, for what we know about TJ Finley, uh, he is a team guy. He's very well-liked on the team. And when you talk about locker room leadership, that is something that the other quarterbacks have ground to make up because you're coming in and you're trying to establish relationships with the guys that are here and you earn their trust and their respect on the field by working hard in the weight room and going out and being a vocal leader in practice on and off the field. So it'll be interesting to see you know, where this all pans out. Brian Harson has preached competition you know, since he's, since he's arrived at Auburn, really. And this spring, I think we're actually going to get a chance to see what that looks like. Uh, you know, with Bo having moved on to Oregon, there's no remnants. Every quarterback on this roster has been recruited by Brian Harson. So with the exit of D. Davis, all the Gus guys are gone. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing w- what that looks like. So I don't think we're going to see Calzada throw Alive during a day, he has been uh, doing work in drills, but nothing. They're kind of protecting that off throwing shoulder uh, that he had surgery on. But you know, what what's the hope? What do you guys want to see coming out of a day this year? What what thing could you see during a day that would give you hope for the season? Yeah, I think with Calzada likely not seeing the field because of his injury, I think it would be incredible to see a flat out competition between TJ and Robbie and just see them both air it out to some young receivers, because as we know, our receiving core isn't necessarily old and don't, they don't have a lot of experience. And that's another area that is an area of competition. So Mm. I would love to just see both of them out there slinging the ball, putting putting air in the ball and just getting the ball to receivers that we may not have necessarily seen. I think there's some redshirt freshmen from last year that we could see um, in the receiving core that would be exciting. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to just see a flat-out quarterback competition, um, something to get the fans excited and to show them, hey, like we're, we're trying to figure out who we want in this position and who's the best you know, QB1 for us for this 2022 season. Memes, who do you what do you want to see coming out of this A Day? What would make you excited about the uh, 2022 season? Well, yeah, I mean, Brandon gave an excellent answer there. I mean, I I agree. I mean, I think a good a good even split, something that really looks like it's driving that competition between them with a big emphasis on the receivers. And I do want to kind of take that and run with it because I I got a point I want to bring up here a little bit later that does surround the receivers a little bit, but. I don't think we're going to see a true verdict to this because you can't really have a true verdict if Zach is not 100%. You can't just say, hey, this is our starter. He sort of lost it by default unless it was some type of long-term season-ending industry where it would, I said, <laughs> excuse me, season-ending injury that he wouldn't be able to play till mid-season or something, best-case scenario. So with that being said, I, mean, I really think this is going to be running into the fall. I think short-term, as Brandy put it, we definitely need to see that. But to me, I think the receivers is going to be a huge point. I think A-Day is going to be so much more about what they're going to do. And because the the quarterback situation, whoever is taking, taking snaps under center, they're going to live and die by what these receivers can do. We saw how that went last year with just the drops and some of the inconsistency that just took, that just took way too long to get ironed out. If these guys can actually start making plays and just having a little bit of consistency, some of these younger guys stepping up, there's a lot of hype around uh, uh, Landon King right now. Uh, I'm really excited to see what uh, John Samuel Shanker does with a whole nother year under his season, a whole nother year that he's come back with all the experience he has. And to me, a guy that I, I kind of have a question mark around is like Cedric Jackson. Like that is your now most senior wide receiver, which almost just sounds kind of like a crazy thing to say, like all things considered. Like, what is his role going to be in this? Is he going to be Mr. Consistent? And then some of these younger guys are kind of the big flash in the pan, like, hey, that's the future. Like, we don't know. And depending upon how these guys, these guys 
sort of set the precedence for what their role is going to be on the team is going to play a huge aspect for this quarterback battle. So I think it's going to be really important for me is whoever's out there taking snaps that these receivers are going to be making plays for whoever the quarterback is. So therefore they can go out there and really show what they can do with their arms, what they can do with their legs and their decision-making, et cetera, et cetera. Because if, if T if TJ and Robbie go out there and it's just hitting guys in numbers and there's just drops or guys not running routes, right. Or get the ball getting lost in the air. Cause they, it was, there was a miscommunication of the play call. Like, we're not going to know anything. So we just need to see execution at the very least. At least we can know, like, hey, this quarterback battle is going to be something genuine. And I will expand on that point a little bit later, though. Yeah, I think that's a good point about receivers. Now, it's really difficult to evaluate receivers if your quarterbacks can't get the receivers the ball. Uh, So uh, the two are going to kind of go hand in hand. What I'll be looking forward to see is if there's any chemistry between those two positions. You know, are we throwing on top? Does the passing game look fluid? Uh, are you know one of the most frustrating things to watch over the last few years was watch having the fastest guy in college football at wide receiver and watch him consistently get overthrown on deep balls. How how did we do that? And when you look at the end of last season, there were a lot of routes where TJ was overthrowing people deep as well too. So he seemed to struggle with getting touch on his deep balls as well. And it it was very frustrating to watch. So to see if they actually corrected any of this this offseason, to be able to give the receivers a chance to go out there and show what they can do. I I mentioned last A-Day was very frustrating for me because Grant Lloyd couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And (laughs) if I was a receiver and I got sent out there with Grant Lloyd, I'm pissed. I'm mad because I didn't even get a chance to show what I can do while he was air mailing balls to the sideline. So this a day, if you know we saw, I saw Robbie Ashford's spring game from Oregon last year, and he was hitting guys. They all three quarterbacks they sent out there looked like they could start. Well, I got a, I got a point to kind of throw in there about spring ball, just a kind of a perspective as a reminder for everybody. This is the like. Very important spring for the team because you think about it. Last year's spring game, it was the first spring under a new coaching regime. A lot of just different changes going on there. And then think about it. The year before that, we didn't even have spring because of COVID. So for a lot of these guys, like, if you really think about it, the last two years, like, we didn't really have a full steam ahead spring for just kind of crazy outside of the players' control scenarios. I mean, I think just having a spring ball – that's two years in a row that for the most part is under the same coaching staff, same philosophies, not a ton of changes going there. Like that's going to be huge for these guys. And like, I don't think people kind of remember that like Auburn and the guy, some of the senior guys on this team, like haven't really had that. So these, these players from just their words, they feel really confident and good and proud of the work that they're putting in. They feel like they're tighter. They feel like they're, doing stuff right in the weight room and as far as their prep and what they're trying to do with strength and speed and just knowledge of the playbook. Like, just that's the stuff they've been saying. And they said, hey, we think we're in a lot better place than we were this time last year. And I I don't think that, I don't think so many people would be saying that. I mean, you hear coach speak, you don't really hear player speak. So if that talk isn't cheap, I mean, I I think there could be a lot to be said for the momentum that's being had. And I, I think just, kind of the past two seasons for Auburn, there's a lot of people just writing that off of, oh, uh, that's probably, you know, that probably isn't going to really be how it is. That's not what we're going to see till fall. And I, I just don't think the guys would be saying that if there really wasn't some meat there. So I don't know how much that we'll see necessarily Saturday, but I think that momentum could really be, pu- could be uh, pulling pretty big uh, come time toward the fall. Brandy, talk to me a little bit about what factors would move the lines after spring. So, you know, what kind of things happen during spring ball that make the guys in Vegas either super optimistic or really nervous about, you know, the odds a team has come the fall? Yeah, I think um, injuries play a big role in that. Injuries in key guys. So Tank Bigsby or Jarquez Hunter or your quarterback, once we decide our starting quarterback, those kind of the health of those players is really important in moving those lines. And then also just having some kind of structure around, okay, who is their starting quarterback? Mm -hmm. Obviously quarterbacks, the highlight of any 
football team, especially when it comes to Vegas odds. So kind of just having some answers around that. I don't really see Auburn's odds moving that much between now and when football starts in the fall. I really don't think that there's anything that will happen that kind of changes those odds one way or another. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I think uh, you're right. I think un- barring some major injury to somebody really important, uh, a lot of these position battles are going to go into the fall. Now, there is precedent for guys to come in in the fall and win the starting job at quarterback. Chris Dodd did it in 2009 under Gus. He had surgery the prior season, no spring ball, and in eight practices, he won the starting job over all the other guys in that quarterback room. So it's not impossible for Calzada to make up time. Uh, but he's got to make up that time in the film room. I think that if he wins, I think if he wins the job, you maybe see the odds move a little bit because he was a guy who started every game for Texas A&M yeah. last season or almost every game. I and mean, he took over after uh, Haynes King got hurt. But uh, yeah, I just, I, it's going to be an interesting spring here to see, to see how things go. Now on the defensive side of the ball, you lose the Kobe McLean. He's gone. You lose Smoke Monday. You lose Roger McCrary. Yo, what are you guys expecting from this Auburn defense, which was widely seen as the strength of our team last year? What do we want to see from them this spring? Yeah, I would personally love to see some improvement in our safeties. And I think that just having better safety play is basically what I would like to see, essentially. Um, I think that was a struggle for us last year in some cases. Was smoke Um, overrated? I, no, I, I don't think that he was overrated. Um, this mm. is def- I, I love Smoke, and I think okay. that he was an incredible player, one of the best players on defense. But there's a reason why you said just Smoke and not somebody else's other people's names as well. <laughs> so right. having a more cohesive safety unit outside of just you know one star player would be really great. Um, that's something that I'm looking forward to, and I, I'm hoping that there were improvements that were made there. Um, yeah, that's basically the, the biggest thing for me on the defensive side of the ball. So I've, yeah, so I got I got two things, or I got a lot of things. I would try to focus on two here. <laughs> I mean, we as we saw last year. I mean, the defense was was just super hot and cold. I mean, I think we saw their we saw their ceiling and what they did to Alabama, but we also saw their floor versus the second half of Mississippi State. Mm. So it's. Where's the wheel going to land for where this defensive identity is? Are we going to be like the Mississippi State? Or are we going to be like what we were versus Bama? And I think that, and honestly, I mean, even with Houston, a lot of people, oh, well, Auburn lost the game. I mean, Houston was a pretty high-powered offense. They had some pretty big uh, star players out there. And I mean, I would say even against Houston, our defense did what they needed to do, all things considered, with it being a bowl game like that. So I, I think they carried some good momentum from last season, but what I really want to see is we got to start winning games in the trenches again. I mean, I'm really, really, really excited to see what Hall's going to do down there. I mean, he came obviously for what he had really came with the second half of the season, really coming to his own. I mean, the dude's been walking around. Like, I don't know if I've seen him with a shirt anywhere. I mean, just rolling into those (laughs) basketball games, just with like, you know, looking, looking like Hercules in there, like, that's the kind of energy I like seeing out of him. And I hope that energy is contagious with that D line. Like I want that D line to be nasty. I want us to get back to QB pressures. I want us to get sacks. I want it to be what it lo- was under those Tuberville defenses where it was just like, you sat there every play, like wondering like, okay, we're getting a sack here. We stopping the running back for a loss. Like I want that kind of energy. Like how many, I, I want to be thinking every time the other team snaps the ball, like how many, how many yards are they losing on this play? Like, that's what I want to see there. And I think that starts that defensive line, something we haven't had good consistency with, just a guy that can just disrupt an offensive line and guys on the end that can put consistent pressure on these pretty athletic SEC quarterbacks we've been going against. And then the yes, second I thing... I think a, a really good point about the defensive line, I felt like under Coach Gardner, we had really great defensive line play and kind of did have that in the trenches mentality when you had guys out there like Jeff Holland and Derek Brown and 
basically everybody that came through under him. I I would also like to get back to that same mentality. And I think that we had that recently under Coach Gardner whenever he was here under Gus. So uh, if we can 100%. get back to that, yeah, if we can get back to that, similar to how we were under Tuberville's defense too, that is kind of what Auburn has thrived on whenever we have a strong defense is when we do have really strong D-line play. And what I want to see there though is, but you kind of mentioned it with that like, the Hollands and the Browns and the guys like that under under the you know toward the end of the uh Gus era, there was a lot of really good defensive lines, and it was sort of like, okay, well, we lost some guys, now we gotta rebuild. I don't want there to be any more rebuild on the defensive line moving forward. I want it to be reload. Yeah. And that's what I think this this defensive staff, Harson as a whole, has got to start doing in the trenches is there cannot be any more, if Auburn wants to have consistent cons- consistent success, there can't be any more rebuilding in the trenches, especially on the D-line. you got to have guys ready to go. Last point that I want to see on defense is, and this was a big problem if you look at the statistics, I want us to be getting turnovers, fumbles, interceptions, whatever it takes. This is something this defense really struggled with was just getting turnovers in games. And we need to start scheming up better or making athletic plays or whatever it's going to take to just put ourselves in position to do that. And I forget what statistic it was, but there was a, that Auburn's defensive turnovers was not in a good place for where you'd want it to be uh, compared to other teams last year and then other Auburn teams in the past. Yeah, we had a lot of almost turnovers last year as well too. Force fumbles that just weren't recovered. Uh, a lot of very unfortunate things happening on defense, but kind of sticking with the theme of what you guys are talking about on D-line it's important to note we got the number one overall Juco player in Thanos to come to Auburn we got the number one overall uh, Juco safety and we got the number one overall Juco corner so yeah I don't think enough people are talking about that yeah, yeah which like, those are the two things that mean memes just talked about for what we want to see yeah. yeah. So, and Brandy, you mentioned safety play, which is why I kind of brought that up. You know, we've got guys who are coming in from the JUCO ranks that aren't going to be as green, and maybe can hit the ground running. It's is you know if they learn the system and they understand assignments and things of that nature. I think this defense is going to look a little different under Schmetting than it did under Mason. But you know, as Meme said, uh, something we say all the time on the War Report is is that for a lot of these guys, it's not about where their ceiling is at; it's about where their floor is at. Can they raise their floor to a point where the minimum viable product is good enough to win most games? I think that was true of defense, but when they needed an assist from the offense last year, it just wasn't there. You, know, you think about Texas A&M. Texas A&M didn't go crazy offensively in that game. We literally couldn't do anything offensively. And the only touchdown they scored were gifted to them on, on a fumble by the quarterback. So defense, I think that Auburn has a really good chance to be good this year if the defense makes even minimal steps forward. Yeah, and a a big thing with all that, too, is going to be the recruiting momentum is if really what Auburn needs to have, and they haven't had in a while, is just a brand of football. I mean, just like how basketball was, it's just a brand of football that is exciting to watch and gets people talking about it, whatever that may be on either side of the ball, just some type of identity. And we had that under the early years when they switched to the spread offense. You had this just really fun brand of football to watch. And that got Mm -hmm. guys tuned in. That got recruits wanting to come to big games and things like that. So record aside, if it's just a, all right, look at this, look at this defense, like just get people talking about like, oh, they get sacks or they get turnovers or they get whatever, whatever their statistical, uh, you know, high point is like, let that be, let that be an identity. They just run to the bank with, because that's what's, that's going to get the recruiting battles. I know we're getting a little too, <laughs> jumping a little ahead from spring ball and a day, but I mean, all mm. these things, all these things are dominoes and that it's all important stuff that this team really needs to start. Just, you know, one and O mentality with everything, I guess. Cause I mean, this is all going to build up and we want to be at a point where we can get guys in there and just, be putting the product out there. And they, I, I really think like you mentioned with all the Juco guys, like they've got guys that are, that are able to play and ready to do it. Right. And I think it's just getting out there and putting, putting everything that they've been talking about, all the training they've been doing 
everything that they've said with the conditioning, et cetera, and just let's put it on the field and see how it goes. Because I think this team's got to go up from last year. Yeah, I've been trying to say that, Beams. There are a lot of Debbie Downers who think we're a five-win football team, and I'm just looking at last year's schedule, and I'm thinking, how are people thinking that we're going to be worse? Yeah, and that's that's the point I want to ask you guys, and Brandon can chime in on this as well. Like, Do you think there's any scenario that this team is worse than last year's team in any category? I personally don't see it. I don't think that is necessarily possible. Now, I'm not going up here saying, oh, this is going to be the best team there ever was or is, but I just don't see how they could be worse than what we were last year. Well, but Brandy, I'm wrong. well, before Brandy chimes in, I just want to run down last year's schedule really quickly for context. Uh, we opened up against Akron. We scored 60 points. Everybody was super excited about new look Brian Har- Harson offense. Uh, we followed that up with Alabama State, another 62 points. Holy crap. Are we an offensive juggernaut, even though those opponents were super weak? Uh, Penn State, uh, we saw some flaws there. Uh, we lost 28-20, but in a really tough environment. And I don't think anybody was really hanging their heads about the football program after that. It was our first tough, no. t- tough test of the season. Georgia State, reality started to set in a little bit. Uh, Bo easily had the worst game of his career. He, he got benched in that game, so I would say that's the worst game of his career. And TJ Finley saved us from total and utter embarrassment. We saw uh, some great TJ Finley under pressure play in that game as well. Yeah. Yeah, he did what he had to do. At, at that point, it didn't need to be pretty. We just needed not to lose. And they sent him in. They pulled Bo at the end of the third quarter, and TJ you know, kind of did what he had to do all the way down to the last drive. Um, then we go into Baton Rouge, and we win for the first time in like two decades. They pulled out a win at LSU. Uh, this was the uh, beginning of the coining of the phrase backyard Bo. Bo ran around, made some things happen. I get a lot of hate for saying this, but that was not a great statistical game for Bo Nix. Um, I don't think it was great statistically, but just from an eye test, I think he looked good in that game. Yeah, I, I mean, I respectfully disagree. I, <laughs> I think outside <laughs> of a couple of a really amazing plays, that game was not a good offensive game. And it That's has to, an eye test, not statistically. No. Yeah, it, ha- it has to be noted, though, Brandy, LSU had one of the worst defenses in the SEC last year. So they did. They weren't anything like their national championship team by far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it wasn't a it wasn't a good game for Auburn if you really look at it. Bo did what he needed to do to win. It was the improvisation, but it worked. And obviously that wasn't a sustainable I mean, that's not a sustainable plan to really back no. your season. But what it did is it got the monkey off the back. That whole, hey, we hadn't won in Baton Rouge since, was it 99? Yeah. 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 I Cole think that was big for Harson's resume. That, yeah. I mean, that to me was big. That's something that Gus couldn't do his entire tenure at Auburn. And Harson was able to do that in his first year at Auburn. So yeah, I think needed, that, that was a big win in the Harson column for me. Well, yeah, yeah, he I, needed a moral victory, and that was a good one to get. Uh, listen, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it, that's so that we're clear. That's all it was, because uh, yeah. in a six-one season, uh, you know that win felt bigger than it it was at the time. Now, uh, it didn't give me any hope going into Georgia, and and this is where I got a lot of hate from fans. I was like, guys, we're gonna we're gonna get spanked against Georgia next week if we do what we did against LSU. Now, we there were a lot of very publicized drops in that game. I don't think anybody played a great game there, but we were in that game going into the mid-third quarter. Was that the game that was that the game that got Cornelius Williams let go? Was it after Georgia? No, man, he got let go earlier than that. Okay, what Much game earlier. was he? It was after four games, so it was after Georgia State. Georgia I think State, he was, okay, that's yeah. when he was going. Okay, right, but that was but that was still kind of the peaking of like the Georgia game being the okay. We're having a lot of these. That was when we were really like, but I think it turned around after that for the wide receiver drops is when they started getting a little bit better than that. Well, the next game was Arkansas. So, yes, it did turn around. Bo had his best statistical game probably of his career. I think he went uh, 20 for 22 passing or something in that game. Uh, you know, a few touchdowns. It, it was a really good game for him. Only one interception. Then we – so we beat Arkansas, number 21 Arkansas. We beat a top 10 Ole Miss team. And suddenly this team is 6-2 and two and in the driver's seat in the West. This is the team now 
that people are that this is why I say when I like you, how are we going to get worse? I don't understand it. You beat Arkansas and Ole Miss. Ole Miss has a quarterback that's had a quarterback that's going to play in the NFL this year in Matt Corral. Um, Texas A&M, again, back down to earth. We lost to 20 to three, but there was not an offensive touchdown scored in that game. Not one. Our defense gave up no offensive touchdowns. Uh, their defense scored a touchdown on us because Bo fumbled. Uh, and then there was Mississippi State where Bo gets hurt. We score 34 points and lose. We gave up a bunch of points. A lot of people argue if Bo never gets hurt, we don't lose that game. I'm not so sure, but it is what it is. And then I mean, He hadn't scored anything in that second half or didn't make any kind of offense happen in that second half before he went down. So yeah, Well, he didn't. Well, no, I, well, he did have the one drive where he, right after he got hurt, he led a touchdown drive, and then that was it after that. So, like, he, we, we, got, a, yeah. we got a few points, but it wasn't. Ah, it was just we had some very well documented second half struggles, which is why I don't think you could say even if he didn't get hurt that we were gonna win that game. Because if you look at um, oh Miss Brandy, we won that game thirty one to twenty, but we scored twenty eight points in the first half and three points in the second half. We did nothing offensively in the second half of that game. Yeah, and, that, and you're about that, to talk about you're about to talk about another game that we also didn't do much. Offensively in the second half as well. Yep, South Carolina was after that. Uh, this was TJ Finley's first start, and it looked rough. It was tough, but we lost that game twenty-one to seventeen. You know, after that, everybody knows about the Iron Bowl. Four overtimes. We were not given a chance in hell by anybody, and they almost pulled it out. But Bryce Young was a little bit too much, and then they ended it with a disappointing loss versus Houston. So just to recap here, of the games that Auburn lost, Penn State by one score, Georgia by, you know, 24 points. We were, it wasn't close. Uh, Texas A&M by 17, but again, no offensive touchdowns given up in that game. Uh, Mississippi State, we lost by 9, 43 to 34. We led for the most part of that game. And S South Carolina and Alabama. Now, to me, what I see is I see two teams on the schedule in Arkansas and Ole Miss that will probably be favored versus us this year that we beat last year. I see uh, we don't play South Carolina again, but we replace them with Missouri. I don't see that being an L. I don't see unless the wheels are falling off the wagon, guys. I don't see Missouri being an L. Uh, and then you've got Mississippi State, who did not exactly run you off the field. You have an LSU team that you beat and is in disarray right now. They got a brand new coach. A lot of guys exited that program. They had a lot of talent to exit that program. I'm with Means. I just don't. I, they have to improve. They have to improve. The chances are yeah. in year two that this team will improve. What do you guys think? Absolutely. And I think that there's really only one way to go on the offensive end and that's up up yeah um, yeah and and if you have it if we have at least a somewhat better offense than we had last year that's going to give our defense more time to rest on the bench which played a huge role in that Mississippi State game people can blame it on the defense in the second half but the reality is they were on the field the majority of that second half because mm. our offense had very little production and it's very hard for a defense to stay in the game and to put pressure on the other team whenever they're out there, basically almost an entire half. And so I think once our offense improves, even in the slightest, our defense will we will see our defense improve in tandem with that because they're going to have more time and games to rest. They're going to be able to get the job done that they need to get done as long as the offense is doing what the offense should have been doing last year. Yeah, keep them off the field. So I want to close by asking, so we've talked about where we think the floor is at, which is pretty much what we did last season. I can't see them getting worse. What's the ceiling for this team this year? Coming out of A-Day, what do you think the ceiling for this team is going to be this year? Memes, start with you. Yeah. Oh, man. I was hoping you start Brandy on that one. <laughs> yeah. got me in a, on got the me in a spot, corner. buddy. I, I've talked about this a few different times, and I, I, I'm going to go ahead and just say on record now, my answer to this is probably going to change over the next couple of months. I mean, even potentially the next couple of weeks. But I, I feel like 
I feel like nine wins would be a really good spot for this team to be in. I, I think it's just, I think trying to say that this team is going to be able to beat Alabama and Georgia on the road is just some type of, yeah, unless you're banking on some type of two, 2013 energy in the air, it's just not going to, probably just not going to happen. I mean, I think just taking care of Penn State, getting getting three in a row for LSU, and just winning the other games that are close to 50-50 games and just taking that over. And, mm. you know, you got, you got Bama, you got Bama and Georgia that you're going to lose to. Then I think just one other miscellaneous game in there, assuming that game is not Penn State, because there's always going to be that rogue SEC team that is just better than we think. It, may, it might be another Ole Miss year. Arkansas, I mean, who knows? It could be LSU coming out of nowhere this year. We just don't know what that could be like. But I really do think a realistic ceiling is going to, for right now, this is April 5th, 2022 in the year of our Lord. Mm-hmm. Is it, I, I'm thinking nine, nine wins is where it's at. But I, I think the ceiling is, is far, I, I think it exceeds the record. I think it's going to be just how the team looks, the teamwork, the chemistry, just all the things coming together. And it's just, the wins are good and the losses are close. It's just not, it's not just sloppy football anymore. It really looks like, there's momentum moving forward. And I think that includes off the field stuff too, with just recruiting and how guys are being bought in, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to, I want to kind of expand my answer with that is with that ceiling, but with a bright future looking forward where you think like, okay, wow, like they're, they're really putting something together here. Mm-hmm. Brandy, what's the ceiling for Auburn football in 2022? Yeah, I mean, the way that I look at it, the ceiling is an undefeated season because we have to go out there and play all of those games the same way that all the other teams have to go out and play those games. So, and I'm not saying that to just be a sunshine pumper. I'm really not. I think that's any team out there. I think their ceiling is an undefeated season. Um, And you never know. We could catch Georgia or we could catch Alabama on an off week. We never know what's going to happen in their season you know, they could have star players get injured or they could have basically their program implode. You just never know what's going to happen in a football season. And so I would say the ceiling is undefeated. Realistically, I would say probably around the eight to 10 win mark. Okay. If I was, if I had to guess and bet on over under what I think Auburn's kind of wins would look like, I would, I would place my bet somewhere in the eight to 10 mark range. Can we, can we ask um, the floor real quick, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I, we kind of. I think the floor is 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 what it was last year, which is six wins. That's where I'm at. See, I think seven, barring no injuries, because I mean, let's be real. You had your starting quarterback get hurt. If Bo, if Bo gotten hurt, if if Bo hadn't gotten hurt, I think you still see a win over South Carolina. I think you, I mean, very likely to see a win over Alabama too. Maybe so, if Georgia State Bo doesn't show up. Well, I mean, granted, fair, but. <laughs> The the situation the situation here is I mean I I want to say barring no injuries I think the floors and, and this is a lot of people will be, oh, I, I think it's seven I think it's seven with this team I just I don't see how all all things considered for the improvements from last year that this team and we're still in spring there could still be guys that transfer in from the portal so we got no idea what new pieces of the puzzle that may be added. I just don't see how they would win six games again if, it, unless somebody got hurt, like a major player. Yeah, if they win six games again, Brian Harson is not here in 2020. No, I mean I agree with that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, so I'm not. I'm gonna just go ahead and write that out of my head right now. Uh, I'm with you. I think the floor is six. Brandy, is that where you're at? This is a floor yeah, six. Yes, six to seven. Yeah, four, four games are we're gonna win the four out of conference. Nobody. Essentially, games. Hopefully, there's but no Georgia State scares. We're all in um, agreement that there's no losing. There's no scenario, or what we think, there's no scenario that there's a losing season this year. Yeah, I, I just I can't yeah. see it. Barring barring see. no injuries. I mean, obviously, injuries can completely change everything, but barring no injuries, no losing season. Yeah, it just it, yeah. to me, it just feels like year. I think a lot of people underestimate how difficult year one coaching changes can be when you're changing systems, culture, personnel. Now, we talked to Brad LaRondo, who is uh, Coach Harson's chief of football operations, and he told me uh, in a phone conversation we had that 40% of the guys they had on the team were bought into what they were trying to do. So we saw a mass exodus to the portal because some guys said, hey, this just isn't for me. This is what I signed up for. 
Now, if you know anything about college football recruiting, guys commit to coaches and not institutions. Fans hate hearing that. They, they, they the have, it is the truth, though. Yeah. A, a coach leaves and, you know, the promises that were made to that kid leave with that coach. The recruiting pitch leaves with them as well, too. Now, in a perfect world, kids fall in love with Auburn, but Auburn can't coach itself, man. <laughs> and a lot of the coach head coaches that we have, they're not Auburn guys, man. They went someplace else. They came from someplace else. So you get a good coach in, and that coach can help hold players if he can show a clear path to development and getting guys a chance to play at the next level. So... For me, I think the ceiling is 10 wins. I don't see a scenario in which I could look at Alabama and Georgia right now and give Auburn a serious shot. Now, that can change as the season goes on, obviously, but just where we sit right now looking at it, I've got to put those two games in the L column. Every, I would put them in the L column as yeah, well. Every other game on our schedule is winnable. Now I want to I want to ask a, a quick perspective, or just ask your opinion on a quick perspective of something you brought up about the first year coaches. So I think this is really interesting because Brian Harson in Auburn last year got just way more flack for the whole first year turnover versus some of the other schools, and I think the timing was just bad because with what happened with South Carolina, with what happened with Ole Miss and Arkansas, with the first year coaches of kind of coming in and having a little bit bigger flashes in the pan than I think most people expected considering mm-hmm. the programs they inherited. And I guess it's just Auburn didn't have that as as much success as those other teams did with new coaches and they inherited, I guess you could maybe argue worse or situations or more worse situations than what happened with what Gus left for Auburn. But to me, I think it's just kind of the odds went by. Cause I guess what people aren't considering is like, look what happened with Matt Luke, like look up with Moorhead, look what happened with Morris at Arkansas and all these other guys before. And then look what happened with even Gus and Chiswick with Auburn. Like Auburn had some of that first, second year, early new coach magic, and it just didn't quite spark with Harson. But generally speaking, things are going in the right direction where I believe that there's still a very good opportunity for that to happen. And I think there was just a little bit more of a, a premature write-off for maybe the folks the, of the outside, the media, and even maybe some more cynical Auburn fans. And I think a lot of that had to do with just some of the instant success that these other schools had. And I think there's just a little bit of maybe like transitive property when sort of like processing that logic. Does that make sense? Am I, am I on the yeah, right page? With yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll sum it up this way. Um, last year was always going to turn out the way that it was going to turn out. Because that first year success that we've had has not translated to long-term success ever. It just hasn't. So the flash in the pan, win by hope, on the seat of our pants kind of thing. You know, Gus's best year was his first year. It never got better. It steadily got worse. You know, it it got a little better in 2017, and then it kept going downhill after that. So we saw two productive years out of eight, and you can't run a program like that. Now I know you, it's hard, really hard to compare basketball and football but if you look at what Bruce Pearl did when he got here year one wasn't anything to write home about he slow steady improvement over years that's how you build a program Nick Saban went seven and six in his first season at Alabama changing culture is hard to understand from a fan perspective too it takes time to build a program especially in the conference that we're in and in the sport that they're in. And so being patient with Harson and patient with his staff and what culture they're building and buying into that, it's okay to not have a Gene Tizik year one and a Gus Malzahn year one if we can have a Brian Harson year five through 15. Right, exactly. Like That's that is a- so much more important than going and winning in the SEC and winning a national championship your first year and then being a bust essentially every year after we did that twice and it didn't work out. Right. Well, that's why I think it's important for them to show improvement, no matter how marginal year over year. So winning six games again, I don't think with our schedule, 
that we could win six games again and show that improvement. Now, we talked about last year's schedule. This year, we start out with five straight home games. (laughs) Two cupcakes, Penn State, Missouri, which is practically a cupcake, and then LSU. Guys, all those games are winnable. Those first five games are winnable. To be better than last year, you just have to find two more. (laughs) You have to find two more games out of the first five, maybe three. And in that group of of the back half of the schedule, there are at least three teams you beat already. That you beat last year. So I'm hard-pressed to think that some of those teams got better. I just think that we, we just need to see improvement. If he wins eight games, I think we, we see year three of Brian, Brian Harson, And I think that fans may actually be able to find some hope. There's still going to be some very frustrating moments. If he wins 10 games, I would s- preach the same caution that I would preach if he only wins seven or eight. Just don't read too far into anything that you see and, and, and try try to look at does it look better? Does the passing game look more competent? Does it look sharper? Are do quarterbacks look like they're improving? Do receivers look like they're improving? Do guys does does offensive line look better? Does run blocking improve? Do we look more competent at every position than we did in year one? Sometimes it doesn't always translate to wins because you know the ball bounces one way. There's injuries happen. There are all kind of things that happen that affect whether you win or lose a game. But you can still find hope in an average season. Bruce Pearl did it for three straight years. And year four, it started to get a little better, and it culminated in the 2019 season, which was the best season of Auburn basketball ever. Well, and af- oh, go ahead. No, well, I was just going to say, after that, that hope never went away after that. By that time... Fans were bought or were bought into the process. It was. We just paid the guy fifty million dollars, so we're definitely bought into the process. Literally brought Brian, in. Yeah, Brian Harson. I think just needs to do the same thing. We just have, to Brandy's point. We just have to give him time. Uh, you know, the things like the kick six and the prayer and Jordan Air have got, have gotten our fan base opioid level addicted to miracles, and I would like to move past that as a fan base at some point. I'm hoping Brian Harson can do that. Well yeah, what I was trying to what I was trying to jump in a second ago, I didn't mean to sorry to interrupt on the uh on that point, but to the year one aspect there, you don't pay a coach twenty one million dollars to quit coaching your school if you believe that a 10 win season is on the horizon next year. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> and okay, fair enough. I, I think people kind of forget like if there was enough internal rumblings from behind the scenes stuff that like the fans and even people who are fairly plugged in just have no idea to what was going on to where they thought that was a good idea to spend that kind of money, especially during a COVID year, like there was obviously some issues that were going on. And I I just think it's crazy to think like if, if it was a, if it was a, if it was a $21 million red flag, like, that team, and as you kind of mentioned, like it, what they were, what they were, it, what was going to happen was going to happen. Like that wasn't going to ever be a team that was going to, like I said, be that ten win season nine or even eight win. Like it was going to be somewhere between that five and seven number, and they hit it right in the middle of that. And I don't think it matter. I don't think it really matters who was coaching that. And I, obviously, that's a pretty bad card for you know Harson to be dealt. But I just don't really see anything that he's doing that I don't feel like, yes, that's, that is good for the program. That is fixing problems that we wanted fixing from the previous coaching regime. And I think you're seeing it with how the staff is run. I think you're seeing it with what the players are saying and just how that culture is being built. Now, is everything perfect? No, I think there are definitely things that, you know, coach Arson wants to improve on. I think there's things that he is even admitted like, yes, I screwed up here. I've learned from this. And even in short terms, turning around. So if they can really put that momentum in the record, I, I think you're right. You're going to see year three and year three is going to be better than two. And up to Brandy's point, we're pushing for a five through 15. And, and uh, I think this is the most pivotal year because you're right. I mean, there are people who, if this team falls short, 
there will not be a year three. If they can just do all right and get some good momentum moving forward, I think you're out of the worst part of the storm, and then you can really start trying to build something pretty strong from there moving forward. And I mean, Auburn has got enough resources. It's got the name, it's got the brand, it's got the conference and the location from proximity to be up there and being one of the most competitive programs in college football. So, I mean, this is a, they've got it all. And I mean, I think the biggest thing is just coaching consistency. And like we see that across all sports now is, the coaching carousel is one of the toughest things in sports. So I, I think they've got to just get a guy and stick with it and then hope that it's right. And, you know, obviously he's, he's fought through some pretty tough battles already. So, I mean, he, he shows that he's not, he's not afraid of that. And we, like I said, crossing fingers to hope that it, it can end up happening and then get through it. Cause I think as fans, we all want to see that happen. Brandy, last word. If you, if I'm, if I'm betting, if I'm at, my bookie, and I'm betting on whether Brian Harson gets to year three. What, what are my odds? I, I have no idea what the odds would be. If I had to guess, it'd be at even money right now. Mm, um, come on, I only say that awesome. not against him as a coach or anything, but more so against how Auburn historically has kind of gone through the coaching carousel and. Kind of what's just happened in this off season. Um, I think he's on a short leash right now, um, and that's I d- don't agree with that short leash necessarily. But okay. I I would say probably at even money, and I would personally bet that yes, he would still be there in year three. Um, I'm somebody that is bought into the culture that he's trying to build. So, do you think he would? Let's say let's say it's a seven win season, and it's kind of like on the fence, maybe even eight. Do you think he would try to jump for another job, or do you think if it kind of went man, Auburn would let him go? Like, what do you think would be the mo- if there was an exit? You you open a fortune cookie. Brian Harson is not the coach of Auburn next year. Do you think it's because he goes somewhere else on his own accord, or do you think it's because he's let go? Um, I don't think either of those things are going to happen. So, um, but if I had to pick between the two, um, I would likely say because it was he was let go by Auburn. If yeah. I had to pick. I would. I, would I don't say. think he's going to leave for another job, especially if he wanted to leave for another job, he would have already left for another job after what happened during this off season. So I do not think that he wants to leave Auburn. Brian Harson's a prideful man. So I, I don't think that going out like a punk is in his DNA, which means quitting and just essentially admitting that you couldn't hack it in the SEC. This is like the ultimate, um, audition for your next job so he doesn't have to beat Saban a million times and win the SEC but he does need to develop the program we've seen coaches do that man Auburn has been kind of like a springboard to a lot of coaches next job especially at the assistant position where we get offensive coordinators and D coordinators and if they do good they're they're on someplace else to take another job so he wants to be here. We've talked to people in and around the program. I'm with Brandy. I think that if he's not here, it's likely because he got fired. But I don't think it's because he is um, choosing to go somewhere else. But hey, listen, we got plenty more conversations to come around Auburn football in the coming weeks. After A-Day, we will reconvene about what we saw and commiserate or celebrate whatever the product of that is hopefully it's better than last a day. I don't think it could get any worse than what we saw last year, but you know, with the new guys coming in and the competition on the horizon, I think we have some great conversations that are going to happen over the next few months in the lead up to the season. Well, guys, I want to thank Auburn memes and Brandy Mack for joining me uh, on today's podcast. We'll be back next week to talk to you guys post a day, uh, see where we're at, but until then we're Eagle. Where you go? And I'm waving at the camera. I know listeners can't can't see that, but I'm waving at you guys too. Thanks for thanks for coming yeah, by. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Where thanks, you man. Or you, you are now, now listening, listening to. to-